Section 8 of Home Education Series, Volume 4, Ourselves, Book 1, Self-Knowledge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sousen. Home Education Series, Volume 4, Ourselves, Book 1, Self-Knowledge by Charlotte Mason. Chapter 5. The Pages of the Body, the Five Senses The esquires of the body have in turn their attendants, their pages, let's call them very useful persons in their way. But like the esquires, they require looking after, in the first place to see that they do their work, in the next to secure that they do not become tyrants. For even they, servants of servants, as they are, aim if they are indulged, at the sole rule and subjection of Mansoul. People sometimes call these pages feelings, but we call them sensations, because it is though the five senses that they do their work. Taste, agreeable and useful. The sensation of taste, one of these, is not only usually agreeable, but is most useful. When food tastes unpleasant, that is often a sign that it is not wholesome. Taste is an excellent servant, and people who know how to keep him in order find simple foods such as milk and bread and butter delicious. But pampered becomes our master. But people who pamper taste make themselves his servants. They say they do not like porridge. They do not like mutton, potatoes, eggs. They want things with strong flavors to please their taste. The older they grow, the more difficult it will be to gratify them. So that at last it will make a French cook to think of things quite nice enough for their dinners. The best rule is not to allow oneself in dateness about food, but to eat what is set before one. Indeed, a wise person is rather glad when something is served which he does not exactly like, or when he has to take disagreeable medicine because this gives him an opportunity to keep taste in its proper place, that of a servant and not of a master. This is a good plan not to talk about our likes and dislikes, not even to know which kind of jam we like best. Smell is lazy. Smell is another of these pages, really a very good fellow, and I do not know that he tries much for mastery in Mansoul, unless as the alley of taste. When he goes about sniffing savory dishes and making taste wish for them, he is very objectionable. Expecting for that he is harmless enough, but he has a fault which is bad in a servant. He is lazy. As his work is very important, this lazy habit must be dealt with. Should give Mansoul much pleasure. He might be the means of giving Mansoul a great deal of pleasure because there are many faint, delightful odors in the world, like the odor of a box hench in lime trees in flower, of bog myrtle, which he might carry, and thus add to the pleasure of life. But that is not its only use. Should serve on the board of health. He should be quick to detect when there is the least impurity in the air, when a room is close, when the drain is out of order, where there is an any unpleasant, unwholesome odor about, however slight, because all odors are really atom floating in the air, 
which by breathing we take into our bodies. As we breathe all day long and all night long, and only take food three or four times a day, it is perhaps more injurious to health to breathe evil odors than to eat food which is not quite fit. Though both are bad. But there are people in whole smell has become so inactive that they will lean over an open drain without perceiving any bad smell. By and by, we hear they are laid up with a fever, and nobody thinks of reproaching that lazy servant, smell, who has been the cause of the whole mischief. Practice in catching odors. It is a good rule to practice oneself in catching every sweet and delightful fragrance, and in learning to tell, with one's eyes shut, the leaving of various trees, various flowers, foodstuffs, material for clothing, all by their odors. In this way, smell would be kept in good working order and should be able to detect when he goes into a room, whether the air is fresh or fusty. Touch, most pervasive. There are five of these pages classed together under the name of the five senses. But the three we have now to speak of are not so much pages of squires of the body, as body observants themselves. Touch is the most pervasive fellow. He is all over the body at once, and there are only one or two places, like the nails and the teeth, where he is not. He collects a great deal of useful information. It is he who discovers whether things be hard or soft, hot or cold, rough or smooth, whether they pierce or scratch, or prick or burn. Most useful. You see at once how useful his work is, for without touch one might accidentally put one's finger in the fire and not know it was burning. Knives might cut, pins prick, frost bite, and fire burn, and we should be none of the wiser. Though our bodies may be receiving deadly injury, some people have an exceedingly delicate sense of touch, especially in the fingertips, and this enables them to work at making such delicate things as wash springs and very fine lace. The touch of the blind. Blind people learn to find out through their fingertips what their eyes no longer tell them. They learn even the faces of their friends by touch, and can tell whether they are well or ill, glad or sorry. You hear it sometimes said that a person has a nice touch in playing the piano, and it would really seem as if his fingertips felt not only the keys of the instruments, but the music they are producing. A kind touch. Some people, again, mothers especially, have so kind a touch that their hands seem to smooth away our troubles. But this sort of touch is only learned by loving. You remember Shakespeare? that that poor little Prince Arthur had it. Certainly, many loving children have comforting hands. Practice in touch. Those persons whose senses are the most keen and delicate are the most alive and get most interest out of life. So it is worthwhile to practice our senses. To shut our eyes, for example, and learn the feel of different sorts of material, different sorts of wood, metal, leaves of trees different sorts of hair and fur, in fact, whatever one comes across. Touch tries for mastery over Mansell. It will surprise you to hear that Touch, simple and useful servant as he is, 
like the rest, watches for mastery over Mansoul. Have you ever found it hard to attend to lessons or other work because you have had a brick or a sting or a cut, which, as you say, hurts? When people let themselves think about these little things which can't be helped, they have no thoughts left for what it is worthwhile. Thus, one of the least of the powers in their lives becomes master of the rest. You remember the story of the Spartan boy and the fox. It is not necessary that we should be Spartans, because if anything painful can be helped, it is right and necessary that we should speak about it or do something to take away the cause of the pain. Good to have little things to put up with, but, on the other hand, I think we should be rather glad to have little things to put up with now, and then, a scratch, a mustard poultice, or a vest that pricks, just that we may get into the way of not letting ourselves think about such matters. There is an instance of a man who was obliged to have his leg cut off, before Sir James Simpson's had made his blessed discovery of the use of chloroform. This man was determined that he would not think about the pain, and he succeeded in so keeping his mind occupied with other things, that he was not aware of the operation. This would be too much for most of us, but we might all try to bear the brick of a pin, or even the sting of a wasp, without making a fuss. Sight brings half our joy. The two senses that we have still to speak of are ministers of delight to man's soul, and I do not know that they have any serious faults as servants, expecting those of laziness and inattention. Sight brings us half our joy, the faces of our friends, gay sunshine, flowers, and green grass, and the flickering of the leaves, pretty clothes, and the little treasures and pictures, mountains and rivers and the green sea. Where would our joy in all these be if we could not see them? Kind friends might read to us, certainly, but it would not be the same thing always as to have our own book and read it in the apple tree or in the corner of the window seat. Let us pity the blind, but there are other people to be pitied almost as much as they. Eyes and no eyes. Do you know how eyes and no eyes went out for a walk? No eyes found it dull and said there are nothing to see. But eyes saw a hundred interesting things and brought home his handkerchief full of treasure. The people I know are all either eyes or no eyes. Do you wish to know which class you fell into? Let me ask you two or three questions. If you can answer them, we shall call you eyes. If you cannot, why learn to answer these and a thousand questions like them? Describe from a memory one picture in your mother's drawing room without leaving out a detail. Name a tree, not shrub, which has green leaf buds. Do you know any birds with white feathers in their tails? If you do not know things such as these, set to work. The world is a great treasure house full of things to be seen, and each new thing one sees is a new delight. Hearing a source of joy. There is a great deal of joy, again, to be had out of listening.
joy which many people miss because hearing in their case an idle servant who does not attend to his business have you ever been in the fields on a spring day and heard nothing at all but your own voice and the voices of your companions and then perhaps suddenly you have become silent and you find a concert going on of which you had not heard a note at first you hear the voices of the birds then by degrees you perceive high voices low voices and middle voices small notes and great notes and you begin to wish you knew who sang each of the songs you can distinguish the more we listen the more we hear then as you listen more you hear more the shrimp of the grasshopper becomes so noisy that you wonder you can hear yourself speak to it then the bees have it all to themselves in your hearing then you hear the hum or the trumpet of smaller insects and perhaps the tinkle and gurgle of a steam the quiet place is full of many sounds and you ask yourself how could you have been without hearing them that just shows you how hearing may sleep at his post keep him awake and alive make him try to hear and know some new sound every day without any help from sight it is rather a good plan to listen with shut eyes some nice sounds have you ever heard the beech leaves fall one by one in the autumn that is a very nice sound have you heard the tap tap of a woodpecker or have you heard a thrush breaking snail shells on a stone of course you can tell the difference between one horse and a pair by sound can you tell what kind of carriage from another or a grocer's cart from a carriage do you know the footfall of everybody in the house do you know the sound of every bell in the house do you listen to people's voices and can you tell by the intonation whether the people are sad or glad pleased or displeased music the great joy we owe to hearing hearing should tell us a great many interesting things but the great and perfect joy which we owe to him is music many great men have put their beautiful thoughts not into books or pictures or buildings but into musical score to be sang with the voice or played on instruments and so full are these musical compositions of the mind of their makers that people who care for music can always tell who has composed the music they hear even if they have never heard the particular movement before thus in a manner the composer speaks to them and they are perfectly happy in listening to what he has to say quite little children can sometimes get a good deal of this power indeed i knew a boy of three-year-old who knew when his mother was playing wonger for example she played to him a great deal and he listened some people have more power in this way than others but we might all have far more than we possess if we listened how to get the hearing ear use every chance you get of hearing music i do not mean only tunes though these are very nice and ask whose music has been played and by degrees you will find out that one composer has one sort of thing to say to you and another speaks in other things these messages of the musicians cannot be put into words so there is no way of hearing them if we do not train our ear to listen a great help towards learning to hear music is to know the notes 
to be able to tell with one's eyes shut any note or chord that is stuck on the piano or sang with the voice. This is as entertaining as a puzzle. And if we find that we are rather dull of hearing at first, we need to not be discouraged. The hearing ear comes like good baiting, with much practice, and the time will come when in a whole chorus of birds you will be able to distinguish between the different voices and say which is the thrush, which is the blackbird, which is the white throat, which is the black cap, which is the wren, which is the caffinch. Think how happy the person must be for whom every bird's note is the voice of a friend whom he knows. Appendix, Chapter 5 The Pages of the Body, The Five Senses Number 1. What two errors are possible to each of the senses? Number 2. What are the uses and what are the danger of the sense of taste? Number 3. Show that we fail to get full use and full pleasure out of the sense of smell. Number 4. What practice in catching odors would you give children? Number 5. What manner of knowledge do we obtain by touch? Number 6. Show by the touch of the blind, a kind touch, etc., that the sense of touch may be cultivated. Number 7. What practice would you recommend? Number 8. Why is it good to have little things to put up with? Number 9. Show that sight brings half our joy. Number 10. How may we learn to see more? Number 11. What joy and what knowledge shall we get from a sense of hearing? Number 12. How may a good ear for music be acquired? End of section 8. Recording by Sousen.